Wow, you're actually right on. This is exactly on. <laughs> no, uh, too soon. Too soft, but it's freaking close. And not what your husband can do for you. Right as we get going, you break things. <laughs> Nothing is broken on this podcast <laughs> since we started. And today's the day. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Haas Boys in silence now. <laughs> Welcome to the Haas Boys. Uh, very excited about this episode because I've got Mike on my left. Hey. And then in a futuristic screen like uh, from Dr. Strangelove, we're looking at Max. Max, why are Hello. you in that tiny, tiny screen? I uh, just just been sick, so I thought I'd quarantine myself to protect the rest of you guys. But don't worry, I I'm still practicing all my jokes, preparing all my jokes for this episode. Okay, can you give us one really quick before we get going? Yeah, I can give you a couple. Like okay, like tech, like Circuit of the Americas. I barely know her, or <laughs> or if. If the halo is the only thing to survive the wreck, why don't they just make the whole car out of the halo? <laughs> Dude, these are pretty good. Uh, he's got a stand-up, but you got a brick wall behind you, perchance? I guess that's what three days of having a fever does to you. Gives you really good stand-up F1 material. Good. That's cool. Good. So is this like preparation for Austin or something? Yeah. <laughs> You just, know what that means. <laughs> you just got so excited about Austin that you got sick. Um, or is it that you're not going this year and you went last year and you're sick about it? Yes, both. Both of them. All right. I heard that this year's GP is being dubbed the Austin GP. For real? Oh, uh, No, just by me. Oh, yeah. Well, I heard that from you. Okay, yeah. So... <laughs> It's valid then. It's yeah. real. It's a thing now. Yeah, that sounds really cool and real. Yeah, the Hostin GP, everybody getting revved up. We're getting revved. And also, um, this is a very exciting moment. We're coming back to America for the second time. Cue Neil Diamond. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, not that one. <laughs> You guys got the wrong that Neil one, Diamond is it that song. One, no, no, we're we're coming to America. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not Good familiar. Gracious. Is that from West Side Story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also known as the jazz singer. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of my favorite rom coms. West Side Story. <laughs> oh, okay. I love that show. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Okay. Yes, Q West Side Stories. Like we're we're going through. to America. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, and uh, and and put that on your iPod shuffles as you head over to Austin this weekend. Austin, Austin. Oh my gosh! Right? That is honestly really good. Yeah, your six shooter in Austin. Uh, bring your six shooter. Head on down to Austin to watch Haas wreck Coda. How fast is Circuit of the Americas? Let's look that up really quick. I don't know. Fast. It's a Formula One track. What's your, what's your guess? Um, it's the third fastest because it has some pretty long straightaways. Uh, you were actually pretty much wrong. <laughs> it <laughs> is the one, two, three, four, five, sixth slowest. It's the sixth slowest. Sixth slowest. Wow. Okay. And so with an average speed of 128. 
Okay. It's a weird shaped track. It's so weirdly shaped. Yeah, very weirdly shaped track. Obviously, Singapore is the second slowest to Monaco. And as we've already discussed, Haas is a little bit slower of a car. And so these slower tracks are where we can see some good opportunity for success. Fast in the speed trap, but through a corner, which is what makes it a slower car. Through a corner. Yeah. Right. So it's not so much a straight line speed game for them. It's more about the twisty bits. That is interesting that they are fast in the speed trap. Yeah. But not on the straightaways. Yep. What do you mean fast in the speed trap? Well, a lot of the time the speed trap will be set in a corner. So they actually have a sensor that they are measuring how fast each car is going through it. And you get your Mercedes and your Haas and everybody going through it. They get this different measurement. And they're basing, oh, well, who's fastest through the speed trap? And this year, because they've been doing a lot of those kind of in corners, it seems as though the Ferrari kind of takes the cake usually for the speed trap. It's basically a measurement just like any other with like the millisectors or the sectors that we know as kind of usually being like one through three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, usually the idea there is just more data to kind of base on, okay, well, obviously Red Bull is fastest on the straight, but they're not the fastest through the speed trap. So if we can be the fastest through the speed trap, then we have a chance of beating them on race day. Right. So I think that that just depends on development and, and setup of the car and how that's going to work out at the end of the day. Yeah. And you can base that information kind of on practice speed traps and sectors. So speed traps are not DRS detection zones? Uh, no, not necessarily. It depends. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know the actual technicalities of where they're set. I feel like they're variable per track. Okay. Digging into Haas, what's the story? We've got some news, some new developments about where Mick lies in the upcoming season from a very depressed-looking Gene Haas. <laughs> what are the deets? Well, it seems as though that Gene and the team have yet to still make a decision around who is the driver of seat number two at Haas next season. Okay. And Gene being put under the hot cylindrical light of police interrogation pressure. Mm-hmm. Who drives for you next season? Came up with the answer of Mick still has a shot at saving his seat for next year. We just want to see him deliver and get us some points. Okay. It was basically his answer. And uh, it wasn't, it didn't seem as though was too uh, secretive about Nico Hulkenberg being the other option for the seat. Did his, was his name spoken? I believe so. Interesting. So it it seems as though that it, it really is down to just those two. And if Mick can perform the rest of the year, uh, then we'll be good. But, you know, keeping in mind in, uh, at the end of Suzuka practice, he piled it into the fence yeah. on the way back to the pits. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, he drove a, a pretty solid race despite having the issue, especially given that this was his first Suzuka race. Um, for in Formula One since they didn't race there during the COVID years. Um, same, with, same with Singapore. So I'm like, both of those tracks have been off the calendar for two years straight. And I think it goes uh, without saying that both of the Haas cars performed relatively well given that statistic or given yeah. that kind of fact. But I do think that, uh, you know, we're going to a track that Mick has now raced at in his F1 career and will be, again, another opportunity to show his stuff. So hopefully he puts on a good show. Amazing. So here's a question, and maybe you can just clear this up for me and whoever else has is also thinking this. It seemed to me that Mick was feeling really confident about going to another team. 
right. about three, four months ago. Yeah. And that it was the situation where he was like, thanks that, for that everything, was... Haas. Thanks for everything, Ferrari. I'm off to greener pastures. And then now we're looking at a moment where Gene's like, no, dude, you don't even have a seat here, maybe. Right. Did I? Did we just have a bad understanding of what the actual situation was? Or was the situation different? I think it was just pre-Nick DeVries, which I think really shook up the driver market. Okay. I think seeing that guy come into a Williams car and perform at a so much higher level than Latifi um, and to kind of reach the expectation for Alex Albin that weekend was something that was just irrefutable. Yeah. He really delivered in a moment that he had to and everybody wanted him. And then again, you know, we're having talks about Colton Herta. There's just so many drivers who really genuinely deserve a spot in F1 that I think that that becomes the constant, that becomes the constant topic of conversation is, well, you know, we've got Mick Schumacher. He's great. He's obviously got an iconic name in the sport, but... Is there something else? Yeah. One thing that was pointed out is that like with Nicholas Latifi leaving, he's gone. And I feel like slowly we're getting rid of these billionaire boys that are pretty poor drivers. Yeah. We've gotten rid of Mazepin. Now Latifi, I mean, Joe Guan Yu is pretty decent and Lance Stroll's pretty decent. Next year, we're going to have a pretty competitive grid in terms of like really skilled drivers, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I was on the verge of laughing really hard when you were saying we were just slowly getting rid of billionaire boys who were terrible. And I was like, okay, so just Latifi. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but, is he, but is he terrible? He's like, he's been such an asset for us. Yeah, totally. Well, and Mazepin, <laughs> I forget, actually started the year. He was in testing. Wow, this has so, been a long year, bro. It has been a long year. So I'm like, Mazepin's name never showed up on the point standings because he didn't start a race weekend. But right. he was uh, he was at Haas for the testing. The number nine was on the car when they pulled a Rakali off. And so I forget that this season, Latifi, or excuse me, Mazepin was in the seat for a hot second. That's freaking crazy. We've come a long way yeah. <laughs> since then. But yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Austin is a great opportunity for Haas. And, you know, Max, maybe tell us a little bit about this because Parker's been to Monza with Max and we've covered that in the past. But Max, you kind of been a loner here. You're the only one out of the three who's been to Circuit of the Americas. So maybe tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about what you remember of the track. Is it close to Austin? Oh. Is there amenities of any kind that's enjoyable it's glorious it's one of the best places i've ever been in my life so <laughs> <laughs> heavy sarcasm i just wept with joy and <laughs> the whole time i was there just overcome with how beautiful it was did you ever take your hand off your heart <laughs> <laughs> the whole time <laughs> never yeah just just so happy yeah. that this was america and all the veterans just walk with a salute uh, yeah so many American flags everywhere. Yeah. The only time he took the hand off the heart was just to eat the Texas <laughs> toast with his rib. Out of an F1 helmet? <laughs> <laughs> like his ice cream bowl? Yeah. F1 helmet? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Anyways, continue, Max. No, you're good. Like, it was fun. I uh, I started watching the race. I just had a general admission kind of, like, ticket so I could walk wherever I wanted to and just find places to watch the race. And I started on, like, one of the last corners, but I could see the starting hill and what's crazy about circuit of the americas is that opening straight goes straight up a hill and it wow. is so vertical 
Um, it doesn't look like it on TV, but I, by the end of the race, I walked over and I was watching down the last straight. Um, and it looks like they just go straight up into the sky. And so when they go off that first straight and then hook back down that corner, it's pretty intense looking. Um, other than that, like it's a weird track. There's so many weird corners that just seem to be built just to increase the amount of stands they can fit fans in. <laughs> right. So m- mass consumerism, Walmart, mm-hmm. or also known as Gual- <laughs> Gualmart. Uh-huh. It seems like it really is the circuit of the Americas. Is there a 7-Eleven on any of these corners? <laughs> it's like in the middle of nowhere. It's crazy. Um, but one thing I did realize when I went there was how many people were like me who were new to Formula White. One. <laughs> uh, yeah, like ranchers. And I just realized like, oh, I guarantee like 70 to 80% of the people that are here today have never been to a race before and had just started watching because of Drive to Survive. Yeah. And after like a year of COVID or whatever, they saved up money. They haven't been on vacation and this is their big splurge. And you could tell like with the celebrities too. I think like all the celebrities that were there had never seen a race before either. It was who was the celebrity that year? Megan the Stallion. Megan, <laughs> Megan the Stallion and her feedback crew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> her feedback. Yeah, giving Martin Brundle the shot. Yeah, yeah, that was last year. It's been a year. That is actually we need to mark that as just what a momentous occasion for us to remember. So what do we have to expect, Mike? So upcoming Circuit of the Americas, interesting race last year, and from a Haas driven perspective. Oh boy. Talk us through what fans can watch out for when those lights go out and away they go. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that, again, it's... I don't know, actually. This track has been fairly predictable over the years. Main thing about it is that the settling of the circuit has caused for a lot of bumps. So, like structural settling. Yeah, so it's gotten a bit pitted and the track has become a little bit bumpy and wow. so uh, it's become a much better MotoGP track and a little bit worse Formula One track. Why does that make it a good Moto track? Uh, just because it doesn't affect them quite as much. It's the, uh, we'll call MotoGP the wingless Formula One. Uh, and so like without that kind of extra downforce. Oh, they can kind of glide over them. Yeah, it's okay. not quite as uh, difficult. On the scale between an F1 car and one of those Baja trucks... Oh yeah, that has that has eighteen <laughs> inches of travel and like perfect damping. Yeah, Moto's kind of in the middle, whereas F one is just going to be driven into every dip. You might as well just call it rebar instead of a shock absorber. Yeah, plus the wing is just shoving it into all of the dips. Right, and so even before the porpoising issue was even brought up this year, Circuit of the Americas was a problem for the prior season's car for bouncing. And so uh, that has been a topic of conversation. I know that they have done some work to try to renovate and and revive some of that and make it so the track's not uh, settling and, and causing these issues. But uh, a really difficult thing to overcome. It costs a lot of money Million, to make. Millions yeah. of dollars. You look at a road. Yeah. You don't expect that to cost a lot of money. Like a half mile of city road costs a million dollars. Right. It is a very tragic amount of money. <laughs> so they're working on it. We will be seeing some some issues with that. I'm, I, sure. I'm, I'm predicting some bouncing. 
Circuit of the Americas has been a, a good track. There has been variables there. And the last Kimi Raikkonen win was at Coda for Ferrari. And that was a really big day. And I'll never forget it because he had already signed a deal to go to Sauber and leave the Ferrari team. Mm-hmm. And so it was just great to see Kimi stand on the top step one more time before moving on. But uh, and so I'll never forget that race in particular. And I think that race might have been one where Max actually went too wide and the stewards penalized him and it was this whole ordeal. Last year? Uh, no, when Kimmy won. So uh, what a couple year of years this? ago, probably, oh gosh, this would have been 17 or 18 because okay. then Charles came into the seat. But anyways, they, you know, they've had a couple of good races there. That last sector of corners is very interesting. Um, as they kind of come back around to the main straight, they do have a few kind of, there's this one really swoopy right-hander that comes down to a, like a hard 90 degree left or actually, no, yeah, that's where it comes back around to like the pit straight and, and then around over to the, to the finish line. And it's really cool when they go to pass each other there. I really like the dynamics of the track and it is wide enough for a pass there, but something that's kind of another thing about circuit of the Americas versus some of these older old school circuits is that it is fully pavement, right? Full blacktop asphalt everywhere, which means- no, no gravel pits. Yeah, and which means there are some, but for the most part, what that means is that track limits is an issue. And we've seen that in the past of this year with the new stewards, track limits has been something that's been a hot topic because a lot of people <laughs> have had their times yeah. deleted and- The championship- Right. Just shifted hands because of track limits. Yeah, just because of, right, Charles went off, right? So they're brutal on that punishment, and uh, Circuit of the Americas is definitely brutal in that way. So I think we'll see a lot of lap times get deleted, and maybe that'll shake up the top order. Hey, Mike, do you think Circuit of the Americas will stay on the calendar with all these new USGPs being added? Or or is it like a weird enough race that, you know what I'm saying? I think Circuit of the Americas has it has a staple for at least a little longer, but I do think that it has a lot to compete with as far as great American circuits that could yeah. potentially overthrow it for its spot. And we've had a whole episode about this. But, right. But for the fans or for newcomers, run us through some of those great potential circuits. Well, we have Road America. We have Road Atlanta. We have... Laguna Seca. Laguna Seca in California. Um, I'm trying not to name street circuits because I know that uh, a lot of the fans, and I agree with it, I would hate for the U.S. to only have that. I think that it's important that we have, since we have multiple races, to have a mix. Yeah. And where Miami is kind of a street circuit in quotation marks here, and so is the upcoming Vegas GP, uh, I think it's important that we remain a racetrack somewhere. So I do think that a Laguna Seca or Road Atlanta or any of these would be amazing. And again, the sport used to race at Watkins Glen and I think it would be really cool to even maybe see them go back there. So there's lots of really good places, but I do think that because of where Coda is and Max, like you said, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's kind of laid out funny. I think there's a lot of opportunity to just be like, you know what? We're going to do what Abu Dhabi did and we're just going to change some things to make the racing better. Yeah. And uh, there's always that opportunity. And uh, speaking of which, if you haven't listened to Karun Chanduk's Beyond the Grid interview, he talks about how his firm uh, consults on that and his firm was responsible for the adjustments that they made to Abu Dhabi. 
um, which made for just the great finale that we got to see last season. So um, there's always an opportunity to better some of these racetracks. So to answer your question, Max, I think it's got a spot for at least a few more years, but I think that we could stand for a little improvement. Um, otherwise, it might get overthrown. So really quick, we dive into this pretty deeply in other episodes. Yeah. And we'll link to those. We're a little bit further ahead now. We're moving into America here, man. Right. Uh, Miami and Coda are not brand new things anymore. What kind of trajectory would you put some of these tracks on, Mike, in the next five or 10 years? Do you think we're going to stick with Miami? Do you think we're going to stick with Coda? Or do you think we are going to try out some of these different areas with your knowledge of kind of how the politics work, how the fan base is growing in America? Do you think we're going to see a Laguna Seca race? Or do you think that we're just going to kind of stick to what works, keep it a Vegas, Miami, and Coda, and rotate between those three for the for 20 years for the foreseeable future. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that first of all, you, you hit on something that's kind of interesting. Formula one's about going where the money is, right? Okay. And Vegas is a big example of that. Miami is actually an interesting one for a tourist attraction element, as well as a, you know, going to an experience and all of that. Austin's destinations. Kind of, yeah. They're destinations. Austin's an odd one. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a destination. Mix. It's definitely kind of a I mean, it is for us Americans who like music and culture and even be, then it's not the top of the list. I think that uh there is definitely an element of like there's probably more opportunity, money in and cash in some of California or New York. But I think that Right now with Miami, I think Miami was able to lock in a 10-year deal. Oh, we know that? I think so. I actually would have to do some research to verify that. Uh, but I believe they were able to lock down a pretty long-term contract, which is something that's important to the wow. sport when they develop a new track that they want to stay there for a long time. Yeah. And a lot of that being because they develop those the garage area and the you know the pit, the garage Four zone. And the fake beach. Yeah, and they obviously made the fake marina. Like, what are they going to do? Just, like, throw that away? Peel up the paper and put it in one dumpster? <laughs> well, here's the, here's, the, here's the thing. Like, when I went to the, what is it, the Indy Speedway? Yeah, um, Indianapolis, yeah. Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Thank you. I want to get it right because someone was really mad that I got it wrong. So <laughs> get it right, Max. I am the, the Indy Race Car Fast Track, they specifically made, like, a street course out of the inside and they installed tons of pit walls and garages just to host Formula One races. And I don't think Formula One came back. No, yet. So Indianapolis was on the calendar for a long time. Indianapolis was the circuit that they raced on for a long time and they stopped going to. But one of the things that drove Formula One, Formula One kind of away from America was the tire debacle that caused a cancellation of a race at Indianapolis. Ooh, let's go. So let's go into this for a second. It might take me a second to find it, but give me a moment. Okay, I'm not cutting any of this, just so you oh, know. Son okay. of a well, I'll tell you a story real quick. While we were in Austin last year, me and the friends I went with, we went to the hotel where Mercedes team was staying at in the morning to try and see if we could see anyone. Oh, and some star watching? Just some star watching, try to get some autographs. Stargazing. And I tell you, like we were heading right into this main hotel lobby area and there was just a presence all of a sudden like something <laughs> is here and we turned around and total wolf is walking out of the door yeah and we were like oh my gosh 
Like, he, <laughs> he's going to kill us. Don't look at him in the eyes. Yeah, everybody's just vibrating and their, their hair standing on end. <laughs> and he got in his car and we were scared and we walked out to the sidewalk, started walking on the road. And his car turned out and started, like, driving down the same street we were on. And he stopped at the light that we were on. And I just started, like, dancing at him and, like, giving him the thumbs up and, like, pointing at him. Is that, like, a mating mating ritual thing? It was. I was really trying to come on to Toto, just anything to get into that pit garage, you know? Yeah. I just wanted to meet Lewis. That is it. <laughs> you love Lewis. But he, he, he laughed and, and gave me a thumbs up and they drove off. It was pretty, pretty amazing. That's so awesome. Okay. What if we asked somebody else and it turns out that it wasn't a thumbs up, but he put a different finger up? <laughs> and it wasn't, We're- and it wasn't Toto. It was... <laughs> It was just Zach Brown. To, just a normal guy on his way to work. <laughs> yeah, and then it was Toto, and he was in a Mercedes. And then he gave us a thumbs up, and he drove away. And then and then Tyler's like, uh, no, it was an Italian guy in a Honda, and he flipped us off and drove away. <laughs> and Max wouldn't shut up all day about it. <laughs> yeah, and he still won't shut up. And he's like, guys, we saw Toto. How many times do we have to tell You're Max? Like, uh-huh, it wasn't Max. Toto. Max, it's a legendary story, man. A good one. It is a good one. And here's another. Okay. So I needed to check the the manufacturers of tires because this is one of those things that's been a variable in the sport over the years. Yeah. Just for the listeners, Mike goes to great lengths to ensure that the things that come out of his mouth are true. He just he just spent like the entirety of Max's story ensuring that one detail of his story was true. And so I needed to make sure your F1. Info. You never know if it's Michelin, Bridgestone, Firestone. Michelin. There's just so many tires. Michelin. The Lou- only the only tire company that it's an official in food. Yes, Bizarre. exactly. Yes. Anyways, go on. But other than the Casa de la Tires from <laughs> Luigi. Casa de la Tires. It's also like Cars Land. Okay, so, but here's the thing. So in 2005, uh, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the there this was an era of the sport where they had the grooves in the tires. I still don't really understand why they did that actually. News to me. They didn't have like a tread pattern, they just had grooves in them and that was part of the rules. Like a grip thing or I don't know. They, hey, just, well, they weren't a slick. We'll, we'll have to follow up. Yeah. That sounds right up our alley. I think they were trying to make it so that the grip level wasn't as high as it is now. And so they were running a tire that had grooves in it to intentionally make it less surface area. And that the tire would wear differently. And so there was different times, two manufacturers that were in the sport and teams were allowed to elect what type of tire sponsor they wanted to use as opposed to now where we would just have Pirelli back then they had Michelin so they could and Bridgestone. They they were on different, they were on different tires. Yes. And so at the, there would, there was kind of a frustration around this as well because there wasn't a they, essentially what that meant then was that the tires weren't actually equal and so it's a little bit of a bummer for some of the teams given the racetrack didn't suit the tire for them right and so that was kind of the variable that they went with during this race this race weekend all of the Michelin cars uh, all of the teams that had Michelin which were Renault, McLaren Williams, BAR, which ended up being Braun, which ended up being now Mercedes, Mm -hmm. Toyota, Sauber, and Red Bull. Okay, so seven of the teams would not survive more than the rumored 10 laps 
due to the stress imposed by turn 13, which is a banked, banked corner, um, which is turn one in the opposite direction for Holy the cow. Indy 500, okay? And so they tried to get the, the governing body, the FIA, to throw a chicane in before turn 13, so that way their cars could race. They were like, yeah. we, our tires can't survive that turn. So slow it down by throwing a chicane in and we can run the race. But the FIA did not see that as a good idea. And so Michelin said, well, I hate to break it to you guys, but we don't advise that you go ahead with the race. Because, so, because nobody's going to last four laps. Yeah. And wow. And so seven teams sat out of the 2005 Indianapolis 500, or excuse me, Whoa. Indianapolis Grand Prix. No way. Wait, did they sit out to like protest No, it? they sat out because it was dangerous. They withdrew from the event because they knew that their tires were going to run a great risk of to the safety of the drivers. Wow. Just because of the one corner, Because right? of the one corner puts so much stress and so much Shoot. load into if the tire. If seven teams were opting out just be one of the teams and stay in and then hit that corner super slow get in last and get some points well, yeah. I, did from, you say 17 teams sat seven out? teams seven but that is 14 cars wow that's crazy so only six cars started the freaking race that is absurd that is that is wild. that is insane and so it was less than the most ideal. What? Okay, Mike is showing me a picture that I'll throw up in the show notes, which is... <laughs> Six cars. It's the starting grid from the back. There is the medical car, which looks to me to be... It's an old Merc. It looks like an old hatchback Merc. Um, and then one, two, three, four, five, six cars. <laughs> and they're and they're That's spread crazy. out in their starting grid positions because they'd already done qualifying. They'd already qualified. And so Michael Schumacher P1 and then you've got I don't know if it's Rubens or who his teammate is at this point and then the other two that are just way in the back. And there is so many weird things that happen in this sport. And well and then this is oh actually you know what uh Schumacher qualified fifth so he's not the one that's in the front spot. <laughs> and uh but here's the thing that's so that's so interesting about this is that this what people don't know about Formula 1 and why it never really succeeded here in the United States is because of stuff like this. Really. Is because of politics and because of things that ended up causing races to not go ahead or to go ahead in the worst fashion where only six cars took place. Wait, really? So F1 has not had a really successful go in the US even when it was here. Right. And so that, I mean, that's the thing is that like when it came back for Circuit of the Americas, which is part of the reason why I'm hesitant to say anything negative about it because the emphasis to even just get Coda on the calendar was a big push. Yeah. And they went from racing at Indianapolis to not racing here. Oh, and it what kind of stemmed from this event being that they brought all these fans to the racetrack, spent thousands of dollars on tickets and flights and everything, and only six cars went out on the track. Wow! And so it was just a like is a completely ridiculous thing. This is like Belgium last year, not yeah. this year, where it rained. They followed behind the safety car. They called it a complete race and gave Max full points. Yeah. 
It was bullcrap, yeah. right? That would suck for a fan, especially right. for an American fan that is probably a newer fan or is a softer fan. Right. Yeah, you're going to spend $1,000 right. to come to that. At least, you know, if you're going just yourself, you yeah. know. And then you're just like, yeah, IndyCar is way better. Formula One obviously sucks. Yeah. Look at this. Right. Yeah. Because at Indy 500, it's like, oh, it rained on the day that the Indy 500 was supposed to take place. Well, guess what? They pushed it a day and they still ran it. We're slowly getting a really clear picture of F1's history with America. Right. Yeah. You're slowly painting a very clear picture, Mike. And I... uh You've, you've got such a deep what, knowledge here. I've got a little bit of a conviction as well for like why Bernie Eccleston was the kind of the worst because this was sort of under his reign of ideas yeah. that having two tire manufacturers with some discrepancy between the two was a good idea. Yeah. And that the FIA then just ruled to be like, nah, sucks you guys chose the inferior tire for an in Indianapolis. Right. Well, what are they supposed to do? It's not safe. And so it's just a really interesting part of the sports history that that kind of stuff took place. So Coda never had this problem and thank goodness it hasn't. Yeah. And I, I can totally get that. So put yourself back in 2005, say you're like a soft fan or a hardcore fan. It's your first race that you're going out to, or just imagine going to Coda last year. Right. You're like, oh, cool. I finally get to go. You watch Drive to Survive. You're like kind of get jazzed about F1. And then you go out to Coda. You spend a bunch of money. You stand around with a bunch of crowds. And then it just is a complete dud. Right. Like that would definitely affect the fandom. And I remember this being a huge emphasis for even NASCAR. Because I remember as a kid, I, d I did. I went to a race. I did, I did a couple races at Fontana which is the California Speedway. Yeah. Um, affectionately referred to by locals as Fontucky because it's kind of Inland <laughs> Wait, Empire. Fontana in LA? <laughs> yeah, it's like Orange County area. Or I guess, well, sorry, Ontario, like near Ontario. It's a rough, that's a rough place now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, Fontucky. Fontucky. Uh, it's a California Motor Speedway. Fontucky. Yeah, baby. So, but, you know, the mile and a half racetracks and the NASCAR calendar have been kind of notorious for boring events. Yeah. Somebody just has got their setup dialed and they disappear into the weekend with 30 second lead and no one's even competing for them for the win. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that kind of stuff really hurt the sport. And that's something that NASCAR is trying to recoup from at this point, yeah. despite being the one that has the bigger viewership in the United States. Yeah. So it's a volatile thing messing with a good <laughs> experience for sport fans in the United States, because I hate to break it to people. I'm like, basketball is extremely enjoyable in person. Yeah, It's fun to watch on TV, but it's also super fun in person. Yeah. And baseball may not be your favorite thing on TV. It's fun. Unbelievably fun in person. Yeah. NFL, same thing. So American sports are great at the entertainment factor when you're at the event, especially. So uh, what I'm taking from this is you're painting a pretty clear picture for us not really going anywhere from Austin, Vegas, and Miami, that if they're going to work, we're just going to let them work right. and let them roll. That's a West Coast, a Midwest, and then an East Coast race. Right. And in areas where the ve the weather isn't super volatile as well. So it's like- Oh, it, that's true. They've uh, they've been calculated of when and you know what time of year and all that stuff to, to kind of guarantee them to not have too hot of conditions, hurricanes, winter weather, anything like that.
shifting gears, we were going to talk a little bit about the rest of the grid really quick. Uh, last week, we talked about how amazing Danny Rick did uh, in Suzuka. Right. Especially compared to Lando Norris, who's really only raced one car and the car's built around him. <laughs> and they and they uh, <laughs> were right next to each other all along. We've got a little bit of movement in the <laughs> Danny Rick department that we really wanted to dig into. Who wants to take that? My... Well, I think the best person that's put this into perspective is Mike. I love how Mike, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but can you talk about how Lando hasn't had any moments of brilliance? And I think that's a very big factor in thinking about how we think about Lando and Danny and their driving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what it boils down to, in my opinion as well, is just kind of a very simple like, hey, you know, Lando had a shot at a win. He didn't listen to the team when it came time for rain tires in Russia. And, you know, kind of young rookie mistake, he blew, he blew the race and Danny held a a race win at Monza. And I know that a lot of people are like, well, Lando didn't really even challenge him or any comment like that. And it's like, well, you haven't seen Daniel under pressure, have you? Because he ran at about 80% power at Monaco and managed to keep Lewis behind. I, you know, there's a lot of assumption that Lando could have gotten the job done at Monza if he caught him, you know, but I think, you know, it was funny, I guess. So Daniel did have an interview um, with the race and he had quite a few things to say that were a lot more unfiltered than usual, which I appreciated because I'm like, well, Daniel, it is time that you're leaving McLaren. Yeah. Pull the Aussie out. What are you feeling? Yeah. We talk about this again, or maybe I just talk about this all the time on this podcast, which is the guys that are like super agreeable and like team players. Right. Until they finally have had enough and they're like, hey, this is kind of whack. Yeah, Flavio Briatore told me to crash into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, so we wanted to dig into this interview just a little bit. So let's see, what are the highlights? I mean, for the most part, the biggest highlight that became a headline for every news outlet across Formula One world, which was that ignorance is bliss and that since Lando hasn't driven another car in the sport that he doesn't know any better. And so ignorance is bliss. Yeah. He sees what others other drivers can do. Yeah, I wish, and it says, yeah, I wish we could do that. The rear just doesn't do what I want. But ultimately, he hasn't been behind the wheel of another car. So obviously, he's good. And there's an element of, quote, ignorance is bliss, which is an awesome way to put that. And that's what we're all saying too, is Lando has been in one car, if you only drove one car for your entire career, you'd be really good in that car. Plus, the car is built around every nook and cranny of his body. Right. It's built for him. And we're all looking at this and saying the same thing to Zach Brown, which is like, dude, you have a great driver here with Danny Rick. Like, let him learn the car and win. And so it's nice to hear that, hear him saying that. Well, and I think that it's been a consistent problem that we've seen at McLaren since Ron Dennis left. Not that Zach is doing a terrible job because Zach is doing something very different than Ron Dennis was doing. But the McLaren that we know now, which has been the McLaren of, you know, Fernando Alonso, Jensen Button, Stuffel Van Dorn, and then, you know, moved on to Carlos Sainz, Lando, and then Daniel, is a team that's really struggled with being at the back, finding themselves somewhere in the middle but not really back at the front. And they haven't really been able to achieve what the McLaren of old has been able to achieve. 
And hearing some of the the gripes that Daniel has has said about being able to watch telemetry, try something that Lando's doing, and it doesn't, it just doesn't do what it does for him. Mm-hmm. To me, says says that it's it's actually not even really a difference in the drivers. It's just that the car sucks. Yeah, and sometimes it delivers, and sometimes it doesn't. And the unpredictability there just really is a shame. And yeah. I, and I think that's what it actually boils down to. <laughs> Okay, guys, uh, this has been a fun season. It's kind of interesting to almost feel the season wrapping up. A little bit, for sure. I mean, we've got our champion already. It's yeah. It's been a really killer season, man. I've had a lot of fun with a lot, with so many of these races. It feels like a little bit of uh, an in-betweener. Feels like the two towers. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, though. What? Don't, don't compare it to movies. Why? Because the in-betweeners are the best ones. <laughs> Two Towers is probably the strongest Lord of the Rings movie. No, no, no. Without a doubt. Empire, and I'm saying this Empire, is an amazing season. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back is by far the strongest Star Wars movie. So are you worried that next, if I say that, next season's going to be bad? No, I just think that this season's been grossly underimpressive for the championship. But for okay. the mid-pack has been very enjoyable. Yes, which is mostly what I focus okay, on. And I, okay. I pretty much have been ignoring the front the front of the pack. Yeah. But what do we kind of, give us some pointers on like, what Be looking at it's a mistake, (laughs) it's a mistake. Um, what are we going to be looking for for the rest of the season? We've got our champion Max. Uh, what else do we look for here right now? Uh, we're tied with who are we tied with? Alphatari, yep, and we're just barely behind Aston Martin. So, like in the next couple races, we could pull ahead of uh, Alphatari and Aston Martin, and that would be exciting, and that would be so amazing compared to where we were last year, yeah. Remember last year we had zero points and this year our goal was like, we want to score points. Well, now we're like beating some of these bigger, cooler teams right? and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to forget that Alpha Tauri is Red Bull B team and it's like, who's the fastest car right now? Yeah. Red Bull. Yeah. What's wrong with B team? And so for us to be able to battle again, against some of these big dogs and earlier in the season, really giving Alpine a run for their money. Um, and Aston Martin, who has all of the money and the resources in the world now, uh, it's great to see Haas being able to throw a wrench in those changes. <laughs> Is your stomach okay, Max? <laughs> Why? There's this, some this crazy like, noises coming uh, over uh, that uh, mic. <laughs> fit, shoot, fit. I'm not making any sound. It was like it's, this, it's like, did you eat pizza yeah. or not before? I'm just picking up. There's like no sound coming out of me or anything. <laughs> I don't know what's here. We'll play it back for you. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Haas, out for points. We're climbing the ranks. <laughs> you. <laughs> Maybe my microphone is under my arm i don't know is this a joke are you crackling something up per- i don't this cannot be real <laughs> i just guys i just pulled the cord out from under me maybe that was causing thing what was what we were <laughs> sounds like you're performing a hibachi chef show genuinely it sounds like you threw 100 onions on a grill <laughs> Either that or you were running through a field of 
popped open Kirkland water bottles or eggs. Yeah. <laughs> just eggs. He's running on a he's running on eggshells, which is what we do here at Haas Boys. Is we don't walk on eggshells, we run on them. We and that's why you should keep it tuned right here. We're gaining respect in the F1 community. Haas is out for points. We're gonna be in the top, guys, next year. And we're on our way there. Thanks so much for listening in. We are the Haas Boys. Watch Coda. Join us next week to chat about it and get real in depth. We are the Haas Boys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's one small podcast. Oh, man.